Oh man. So I think we just I think we just bootlegged, solved an issue to start a podcast. That right there, buddy, that's again, we look for momentum to start these conversations. We do. That's when we jump in. That's it. That's when we <laughs> jump in. Man, it's good it to be is. back. I, first I mean, of all, it was a, it was a nice bootleg. It's not even that it doesn't look bootleg because there's no tape. It doesn't look ratted out. It doesn't look No. You know. I, no, we just solved the problem. We solved it in a meaningful way. Yeah. I, it, so that was teamwork. And so welcome back. First of all, let me say this. Uh, it is my fault for those that who are might be you know passionately involved in this podcast or just like it enough to listen to it consistently. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It's my bad. Um, it's my life has been a whirlwind. It has been, Kyle. And, it has and been. Roman can attest w- to that. Yeah, man. I would like to dive into that. Maybe ask you some questions about how everything's going, how you're feeling. Yes. At least let the world hear it. And uh, <laughs> I think I think the best part about it, Kyle, is that you find strength when you find others that have the same weaknesses and and is, are just as uh, vulnerable as you are uh, whenever you talk about anything. That was one of the best things I used to be able to do when I was in the locker room was if I was struggling at home with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, or, or if I had some other issues uh, with my family or my parents or who'd been through something, uh, it's always good to have strength when it's in numbers, right? So you oh, talk yeah. about these things and everybody's like, oh, dude, that's happened to me before. And then they share their experiences with you and it makes you a little bit more vulnerable. Well. To, to be able to open up and talk. And you also get answers that way, too. Oh, hell yeah. No, I'm not a feelings guy. My wife tells me all the time, I'm not a feelings guy. You're but not. the thing is, I mean, it's like it's so more okay. transactional. Me? Yeah. That's the word you'd use. That's interesting. I'm not offended by it. I just, that's interesting to me. Um, that could be perceived as a bad thing. No, I don't think so. I just think you're, you, you don't, I think you're to the point. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's the <laughs> truth. See, that's the, and I'm glad you said that because yeah, that, that's where I struggle with people yeah, sometimes. That's what I meant by that. I'm glad you said that <laughs> yeah, because you and, you and I clicked right away. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't happen with me and everybody, okay? And, I, again, I don't mean that to be a bad thing because I'm a friendly guy. Right. I'm also a, a guy who feels you out, you know, mm-hmm. a guy who I think just doesn't inherently trust you right away. But, yeah. like, at the same time, if I like you, I know I probably pretty much like you. Like, me and Roman hopped in a car and drove to Raleigh to go to a hockey game. We'd known each other, what, three, four weeks? Yeah, and we, like we had a blast. Yeah, so, yeah. like, again, it's, it, I feel it's, safe. it's not that I don't like people. It's that I just – I'm a little bit, like, skeptical at first, and my wife's not that way. So that's one of those ways we compliment each other. But, yeah, that's interesting. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm not a feelings guy. I don't feel the need to talk about it until mm-hmm. I absolutely have to tell somebody something. And I right. think that's the way a lot of dudes are, where it's just yeah, like, yeah. put it on the shelf, deal with it later, and then, yeah, it eventually comes out. But, yeah, yeah no, it's been a whirlwind, man. It's uh, – you know, wife's pregnant, pandemic, um, you know, everybody's feeling it. Everybody's got at least a low-grade anxiety right now. No um, doubt. Like most people that I talk to that are being honest with themselves do. So, you know, I know I do. I, I mean, you know me right now. I joked about this on the air the other day. I got to lose 25 pounds that I've gained during COVID because, you know, gyms weren't open. I, I don't know about everybody else, but I'm sure there were some people like me that were just stress-eating and the, not even realizing they were doing it. The grind is real. It is. And you don't. you look up and you don't even realize you've done it. And so, yeah, no, it's uh, it's a lot right now. But that and, you know, obviously we had uh, headline news at work just the other day. And um, yeah, yeah, it's just a lot. Yeah, happening. Man, that uh, and then, of course, the, the, the I mean, I'm not omitting the most important thing that's happened in the last seven days, a presidential election. So, <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's something that is not over, by the way. Um, it, it is and it isn't. But I mean, yeah. it's still the the only thing anybody's talking about on the news right now. Yeah, man, I, I've tried not to. I've tried not to get too high or too low on any of it. I, I just I just want it all settled and done. That's my opinion on it. I don't want to because, you know, Kyle, in this whole 2020 year of, of uh, America has been really tough on a lot of people emotionally, physically. Um, I mean, a lot of people have lost their lives. Let's not forget that, that this is real. Yeah. Um, and 
The people are sick still, and you, you have to be very – Do you know anybody who's lost their life? Because uh, I, I know two, and I'm just wondering if you do. So as the numbers go up, I'm wondering how many people that I know also know of people who've passed away and, um, or even just gotten really sick because I know those two. So, yeah, so my boys, uh, my best friend's mom's, she's still sick. You know what I mean? So she still has a cough and a wheeze. And, yeah. And, uh, I heard it's, I mean, it's, it's strange how it impacts certain people and not others. Yeah. And that, like, some people don't feel anything. And she's others from, not only get put she's down, from Honduras, too. So, um, so, no, so she would be considered a minority. And yeah. she's, uh, you know, but she's been here for, shoot, Stefano got here in, when I was in, what, junior high, fourth, fifth grade is when his, when Gunner got there. And then he got there when I was in, like, junior high. So, like, yeah. So, back early in the spring, closer to summer. Uh, our and let me tell you, it's really hard to pass the uh immig- um to get your uh your citizenship in America uh-huh. the test that illegal like immigrants have to take to pass that they should give that to oh, everybody yeah. in America Absolutely. and see who passes I, that. Th- you shouldn't be able you should not be allowed to graduate high school without taking that test and passing it. And I I don't mean just like yes. like a D plus I, passing it. I mean actually, you know, Kyle, I, and the only B- reason I say better. that is because that thing was hard as crap from what my brother my boy was telling me when he had to take the test absolutely he was like dude you have to know all these things and it's like absolutely it's a lot and you, um, you should be able to at least <laughs> do reasonably well on that test before you're allowed to graduate high school because i think that's a great point that though. takes i mean there's so many people out there and i'm not a constitutional law expert i don't have the declaration of independence memorized like i'm not an historian but like there are some people out there that just don't have a fundamental understanding of government and civics and and basic American history and and the context in which a lot of this stuff is being talked about. It is it's nuts. But I digress because I'm not sure that we're ready to go there just yet. I just <laughs> think that um, no, again, I, it, it's been tough for everybody. And uh, yeah, we and ha- I, had I, a lot going on the last two. Yeah, weeks. man, you have, and I'm just glad you're still pouring um, and taking care of your wife. And uh, she's doing well. So, you know, that's good, man. That's what's important at the end of the day. So you just control the controllable. And I think everybody needs to hear that sometimes. It's just control what you can control. And all the other stuff, man, you can't let it continue to hold you down and pull you down. And, Kyle, you know me. I'm not a big, like, no, I'm not. I don't go into a lot of things. So, um, but, man, can we talk about this weekend, though, of some football since we missed last weekend? I would love to do that. Oh, my god. There's some things I'd like to get off my chest. Okay, do you want to go off? You want to start first? So you do, look, just to be clear, and I'm either way, I'm fine with this conversation because somehow, somehow, some way, it's getting steered in that direction. You <laughs> want to go football first and then talk about the election a little bit. I'm fine with that that course of action there. I'm just saying, <laughs> maybe we have the fun first, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad we're gonna do that. I like a house party. You know like a saying? house party. I like a house party. Good. Maybe we'll get carried away with the football and only have a minimal thing number of things to say about the uh, election. But anyway, Great. let's talk football. All right. So. What? All right, we got Clemson, Notre Dame. Yes. The number one team in the country. They were – how many games straight had they had won? Uh, 36? I yes. think it was 30, uh, 35 or 36. Either way, they were set to break uh, Bobby Bowden's record at Florida State. Yes. And they lose to Notre Dame. What did you think of it? Um, what was your overall concept? Was Notre Dame better than what you expected? Or uh, – Yes and no. It's tough. I, I, look, I, I do think it has to be factored in that Clemson was without as many starters, you know, and, and key figures on that team that they were. At the same time, though, I get like Notre Dame earned more my earned more respect than I previously had for them. Yeah. And it's not that I I didn't have any respect for them at all. It's just after the last time they met in the Cotton Bowl back in 2018, and you know, even. They played Georgia tough. Was that last year or year before last? Uh, it was 
last between the hedges. They played Georgia. They, tough. they did them. Yeah, they, 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 they played, played them the last them two but, years. But more often than not, you know, it just seemed like maybe Notre Dame was a half a peg below. You know, the at their yes. best was half a peg below Clemson, Alabama. You know, even Georgia, uh, a couple teams like that. But no, I mean, look, we know Clemson's. Lo- they don't. They don't rebuild anymore. They reload. And so even if they have to go down an extra level because of guys being out, they're still insanely talented. So, yeah, I mean, Notre Dame's talent showed up on the field Saturday night, and I, I saw it, and that's, I mean, they really have talent. And so, and, and, not on, and on top of that, Ian Book was really good. Ian Book was a lot better than I thought he'd probably be in that game. I mean, I thought he could be pretty good. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man, so I like Ian Book. I thought he, going into the season, he was in one of my top five uh, quarterback picks. I wanted to put him in there. So, um, that was my opinion. But that's all. I don't think he's the best throw of the ball. He doesn't have a great arm. Talking about – because, look, I apologize. No, it all, I say that with all due respect in the fact of I always come from, like, an NFL. Um, that's what I look for, right? It's yep. NFL arm strength. So, that's what I judge everything on. So, it's not – he doesn't have a great arm. and But he's athletic enough to be able to make plays. He's smart. He takes care of the ball. Those are – and you like his moxie and his accuracy in, like, 15 and under routes. You like his accuracy. And he's got a couple really – Decent targets. This freshman tight end, I like him. Marcus May, I believe is his name. He's big. He'll be another one of those guys that plays on Sundays from Notre Dame from the tight end position. And I think all, for Notre Dame, I thought Notre Dame had to win the game. I, it, Clemson, the, look, the committee, they all know that Trevor Lawrence was hurt and well, was sick with COVID. And then they had some players hurt. So they do take injuries into account. So everybody knows that. So at the end of the day, they have to. They will see in the ACC championship. And Notre Dame has to. I think if Clemson beats them by twenty at the ACC championship here in Charlotte, then they don't. Notre Dame doesn't get in the playoffs. Well, no, because everybody's going to want Notre Dame in the playoffs. You know how Notre Dame has this huge following. Oh yeah, that, that, that they, they just nationwide. They, oh my God, that every like the moment they go four and zero, they're in the top fifteen, right? Yeah, top ten team every year in the league, like, no matter who they play. That's just who Notre Dame is, <laughs> all right? And they beat Clemson, but They're not likable. Roman, they're not likable. People don't <laughs> like them. Brian Kelly's not likable. They're not a likable team. But you're right. They have a massive coast-to-coast fan base. Yes. Jordan Cornette talks about it all the time on the it's ACC true. network. It just is what it is. So <laughs> I, I get you on that. All I'm saying is yeah, they played really well. They got my respect, and I think they're really damn good. I think there's yeah. a very good chance they're in the playoff. I'm not going to pick them to beat either one of Alabama or Clemson yet. I'm not there yet with them. Put okay. Trevor Lawrence back on the field and Skalski and Jones and, and, and Davis, then let's have that conversation. I think Clemson wins that game if those guys are playing. But that said, again, I think they played really well and they showed a lot of toughness and a lot of heart. So there was that. You look, you look like you have something you want to say. I do. What? So transition there, you're talking about injuries. Georgia, Florida. What was your opinion on that game? Mm. When, and, you see, when so, you say states, I'm thinking elections right now, so i got to no, recalibrate no, no. here. The Florida Gators no, I know. versus the Georgia Bulldogs. I get it. Gators and, showed some and toughness. Gators and when it tough comes to election, game. it wasn't even close. No, well, okay, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <We> gotta, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. But no, seriously, I mean, the smartest thing anybody said to me last week about that game, Michael Felder, uh, our boy Mike. Uh-huh. Um, I love him. He's so information-driven. He's the best. And so, so you can ask him a question, and he tells you – you ask him one about one team, and he can tell you the other three teams that they may have to play, and, they, and, and then some things about those, t- those teams. Yeah, no, he's – So I really, really enjoy this. Mike's one of the on best. The he's, he's awesome at what he does. Uh, analyst watches more tape than anybody you'll ever meet. And uh, I told him last week that he's, he's one of those dudes rocking that big-ass bushy beard on TV doing some halftime st- uh, shows and stuff. I love yeah. it. So this guy, he, he comes on the show what, last what week. What show is he on? He's on the um, – He works he for on? Stadium. 
Okay. Yeah, so he was doing uh, the, the regional network uh, pre, half, and post, I think, for some nice. ACC games. Okay. Anyway, he comes on the show last week, and he says, he goes, look, uh, I asked him who was going to win. And he said, look, I think if they play the game in the 20s, it's probably Georgia. If they play it in the 30s or beyond, it's got to be Florida. And sure enough, you know, that's what it was. Uh, the over, by the way, in that game was like 54 and a half. They covered – they went over by halftime. Um, but that game was awesome. Uh, Florida's offense is legit. Like Kyle yes, Trask are. continues to be one of those quarterbacks that you look at as a possible, okay, that guy might be able to develop into something really good at the NFL level, maybe. Um, and maybe not. But, I mean, Kyle Pitts, the tight end, is I think he's very accurate and he, throw, he throws guys open. They do a really good job in that offense, too. Uh, to dictate what they want to get. Like, they run a lot of the same concepts, but they know what they're getting on defense, and then he makes the decision from there. Yeah. No, he's, I agree. A, he's a very smart quarterback. No, that was a fun game. Uh, it was a really fun game. And uh, I, we, a lot of us thought this could be Florida's year, and now they're sitting in a pretty good position to make it their year. Yeah, so. do, you, do you think that game would have been any different with a healthier Georgia team? Uh, yeah, very possibly. But I think that the, that's going to be the story of this season. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the story of this season. Yeah. How many games you could ask, you know, how much better would this team have been or what what might the outcome have looked like, you know, if, if these guys had been playing, or, you know or, what I mean? Or their quarterback situation, right? Right. And when you've had a Nick Eason on your campus, you've had a Justin Fields who's a top five pick, yeah. and he left because you couldn't help find a way to get this guy to play and allow him to do him. So – um, it's been very interesting to see that the quarterback position is what you're looking at, Georgia, and they, you got to be able to throw and catch passes in today's football game. And when you can't do that, um, you're, gonna, you're not going to win games more often than not, especially against a team that can actually score. Florida's going to score 30-something, 40 points on every team they play. Why? Because they, the way they attack and play offense. Yeah. Now their defense is beyond suspect. Oh, yeah. All right? So no, they're bad defensively. They're not good defensively. They're really not. So, and, and so that was another thing that I, that was one of the biggest things that was, I noted that was, that really noticed my eyes, um, from, um, my eyes when I'm watching Florida play, everybody was very excited that Florida won the game. I was happy for them to be able to break the streak. I thought it was, I think, I thought they dominated Georgia at times. Um, did they not finish the game as strong as they wanted to? Probably not, but. At times, they look like a very dominant team over Georgia. Yeah. Georgia looked very outmatched, and that's a good thing. So that's what they can do. But then I just question Florida at times because Florida still – Georgia missed five, five opportunities for sure that I can recount over my head where guys are wide open down the field and the quarterback missed them. So I just know when you continue to have guys running wide open in your secondary, that's not a good formula. And so when – with Florida, you know – Florida has to score 40-something, 50 points to win a game because their defense can't stop anybody. I don't like teams that can only win the game one way. You know, that hurts my heart, right? Because at Florida, both the defensive coordinator and the DB's coach are Hokies, both of them, Ty Grantham and um, – oh, I just drew a complete blank. What is wrong with me? Um, Well, Kyle, I don't know what you want me to say. Torian Gray, my goodness. Torian Gray, sorry. Yeah. Called him T. Gray. I used to actually, when I was a teenager, we'd go up on the, uh, we go to the rec center on Sundays. We'd play uh, pickup ball against the grown men, and we'd mm-hmm. get our asses beat. You know, he was one of them. Everybody called him T. Gray. But anyway, that hurts my heart. Yeah, well, the thing is, it, but it's not just the secondary though, Kyle, because they don't get a lot of pressure up front. They don't have a. Oh no, a, they're just not a good defense. Right, right, right. No, so it's bad not defense. like it's this versus that. It has nothing to do. I think they got some some pretty talented uh, defensive backs personally, but I don't know they. They blow like the, it just it just does not go right. You yeah. Know? OK, so <laughs> hold on. So I, I want to keep it moving here because there's so much we have to catch up on in, in a limited amount of time. What the hell happened to South Carolina? 
on Saturday? Just like qu- real quick from your vo- your point of view, why did they? I, I didn't. I, I I joked on Friday they could upset Texas A and M. I knew better than to put money on it, but I did not expect them to get beaten by forty five points at home and manage <laughs> a field goal. Like I I didn't ex- I didn't see that coming. What ha- like how bad are they? It was that just a. Um, so they're not that good. So everybody just expects South Carolina to be good on defense or up front. That's like an easy saying or slogan for South Carolina, and they're not. And Texas A&M is really good up front. So they just came out there and pushed them around and beat them up. That that center right guard and right tackle, I actually talk about their interior linemen. Kyle, listen to me. Texas A&M, their interior linemen, that center right guard and right tackle, they just move people. Yeah. And so when they start double teaming and moving, the run game's really easy. It allows Jimbo Fisher to get in a really good, ease, uh, good rhythm play calling. And Kellen Mond's a senior quarterback that's played a lot of games that has a some t- that has talent, and he knows how to figure some things out. He's getting easier reads because he's not getting hit. He has time in the pocket. It's a clean pocket. So um, that's what makes Texas A&M really good. So I think that was not so much a knock on South Carolina as much as Texas A&M's playing really well right now. And you ran into a juggernaut at the wrong. You ran into the buzzsaw. Like, there you ran into the butts all that night. That's just what it was. South Carolina, because Texas A&M's weaknesses are deep downfield throws, Kyle. So you got to attack them downfield, 18, 20-plus yards. That's how you can do some things. And South Carolina doesn't have any receivers outside of Shai Smith that can do that, right? And Shai Smith's the 90 home run threat guy. He's a slot in between. Like, he does that really well. But they don't have, like, a somebody that can threaten you down the field. So that's – and Colin Hill is a statue back there. Yeah. So, you know, which is understandable. I mean, he's tough, dude. He's a great leader and all that. I think they should play the young boy a little bit more, the uh, Bodie kid. Um, I, I just think it's interesting. The, the, re- the reason I asked you about that was just simply you got some, te- you got some fan bases that want to fire their coaches right now. And man, you're, you're going to have to fight that. You, in. No, man, you can't do anything in COVID, bro. Well, I mean, Sorry, I, think some, well, I'm th- I, I think, think some teams are. Chill out I wouldn't that. be surprised if South Carolina did. And, and you also got to understand, you're playing all SEC schedule, people, all right? These teams would normally have four to five wins, and you'd feel better about your situation. You but sure we're about not, that? But we're not playing outside of the conferences. So, well, no, that doesn't apply to Virginia Tech. They have no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> no. They have no excuse, Kyle. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. That was going to be next, Kyle. It's so bad. I don't <laughs> know why you would do that to me, but you did it. And, uh, yeah, I guess n- this is the time where we have to but talk about it. But for South Carolina, though. Like, they're in the same – I mean, they're, they're in very similar boats right now. Um, you know, it, 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 no, to a degree. Not. Well, I, to a degree, because – and I'm just talking about levels of frustration, I think. But, like, no, they're not – otherwise, they're not very similar. Um, because, you know, South Carolina is watching its in-state rival win national championships. And so it's, it's very different. Um, then and, and if I'm a high school player in South Carolina, why would I want to go to South, uh, South Carolina? I mean, unless there's unless like it's a family playing tie. time, family tie, something like that. No, I mean, let, yeah, I don't I don't see it either. So I, I I talked about this today. I don't know what to say about it anymore. I, for those that don't know, and I'll just read it because and look, admittedly, this I, all sounds about right. There could be a mistake or two on this, but it gives you at least if it's not 100 percent accurate. And I only say that because it's a guy that I know online who's. Smart guy, but, you know, I didn't go through the trouble of fact-checking it. So if I'm off by a number or he's off by a number, just forgive me. But this is the tweet. Fuente's accomplishments are this. Losses to all three in-state FBS programs in three years. Six losses to unranked teams as a ranked team. Uh, Five losses to double-digit favorites in five years. Five losses to double-digit favorites in five years. Uh, Three straight bowl losses including that horrific loss to Kentucky here in Charlotte last year. 
Uh, was it that horrific? That boy Lin Bowen was balling. It's, Lin Bowen it's was game balling. management <laughs> and other things like that. We can get into it. But then th- here, there's more. Uh, the worst home loss in 45 years last season. Oh, that, uh, which one was that? The, when Duke came in and curb stopped him. <laughs> um, and then uh, he has authored Virginia Tech's only losing season since 1993. In 27 years, there's been one losing season in Blacksburg, and that was one of his teams. Yeah, didn't they try and make up a game to make to try and br- keep that streak alive? We don't need to talk about all that. <laughs> so what I'm saying now is we don't need to talk about all that. Uh, it is uh, immaterial to this discussion, sir. That is true. That is yeah. true. Um, uh, I'm not going to kick you while you're down. No, man. I appreciate that. I, look, I don't know what the answer is. They, they haven't. Fun- I mean, so for Virginia Tech, I totally get it. But my only question is this, is who you go get. Oh, I mean, look, I'm not out here leading the bandwagon of fire and firing because the truth is I understand the financial implications of doing yeah. that. And I think the buyout right now is $12.5 million. Yeah, there's no reason to do it. $12.5 million. And, and the other thing is, man, the, the secret ingredient to all this is the, um, the players all get a freebie year. You can come back. Oh, sure. I mean, so there, you, there's, there's truth to that. No question about it. You can it. run it all back. And I guarantee you that inside the football offices, they are not as upset with him as the fan base is. I guarantee yeah, but, you. But the thing is, they have to be a little bit upset because that list of losses, you lose to ODU and State. No, no, no. You, you lose to you, Liberty at home. You're not you're a 15-point favorite. Like, you, you get the worst home loss in 43 years or whatever it was, 38. I don't know what it was. Um, you know, when, when Duke comes in, it's like that stuff's not supposed to happen. Yeah. Like, nobody, I, that, that fan base, at least the, the majority of the sane ones, they, don't, they know they're not Alabama. They understand yeah. that. Yeah. You know, but for a solid 15, 20 years, this was one of the 15 to 20 best programs in America. True. And they take a lot of pride in that. And so, you know, when they had that, okay, you've set the expectation. You raised the bar here. Yeah. So there's no reason now why you can't do it again. And when, when Fuente took over, it was, hey, they went to the ACC championship game in his first year. They were a touchdown away from tying Clemson. It was 42-35. They were driving in to tie mm-hmm. it up. And Gerard Evans throws a pick, and Clemson holds on to win it, and the rest is history. But ever since then, it's just been – it's been hard to watch sometimes, man. And yeah. It's just you can count on them to just lay a couple of eggs right now every year, and people are not really interested in continuing to watch it, even even though, look, the truth of the matter is y'all have more money than anybody in college football. What do we watch? Oh, there you go. Is that Hugh Freeze? Yeah, I got to look at this right now, too. We got, we got <laughs> Feinbaum on the, on the background, and I got to look at Hugh Freeze right now. <laughs> I got to look at Hugh Freeze. I'm going to finish that point. Not many people in college football have the kind of money y'all have at Alabama, have mm-hmm. the kind of money Clemson has raised over the last – I mean, Clemson's raised a shitload of money, um, and they're really good at <laughs> it's it. It's easy It's easy once you start winning. Correct. All right. Ohio State has a buttload of money. I mean, Texas hadn't been relevant in 10 years, but they still have a boatload of money. Oh, my goodness. You know, Notre Dame. And so you've got a, a handful of teams that can just outspend everybody, you know, and that's – I'm not saying it's going to work that way, but nine times out of ten that's going to so, be – yeah, man, you're right. I mean, at this stage in college football, like it's I watched I watched Virginia Tech play for a national championship 20 years ago. Um, unless they hit gold or you know strike oil like Clemson did with Dabo, how are they going to do it again? I mean, because right now it's just so concentrated at the top. Well, you can go out there and try and get somebody that beats you. Um, yeah, you can. I'm so, not saying they can't do it. It's just it's hard to do it. Well, yeah, man, and now yeah, I think I think this is a. I don't see why you like get rid of them. I, in my opinion, outside looking in, I just feel that Virginia Tech they they're on the still on the downslide. That when is the bottom going to hit? Oh, yeah. When are we going to bounce and start getting back? Right. That well, is thought, what they thought it was bottom when they when they had the first losing season right. in almost three decades. Exactly. So come on now, and when is it the sliding going to stop? 
because we have a certain standard that we want to keep and we want our standard that has been set and we know what it is and then that is when you have to make that decision sure and when you do that i'll always just make sure people have the next man in line like you don't sell your house well most people try not to just sell their house and they're not even looking for another sure you know what i mean oh no <laughs> Look, the, the finances of college football right now are such that Almost nobody's going to get fired this year. You know, it's, no. it, 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 there will be very, very, very few. I'm, and I your, think the, the ability to be able to come back, I want to know who's going to actually decide to come back. Uh, well, I mean, like, yes. That would be interesting, But right? I had this conversation on my radio show today where it was, you know, who, who, which fan base is more pissed off, which, which fan base wants their coach fired more today, South Carolina or Virginia Tech, uh, because it's neck and neck for the two of them. But the truth is, I mean, I think, I think there's a decent chance South Carolina will. I don't think Virginia Tech's going to because, again, $12.5 million buyout in a pandemic, and they're not like exactly swimming in cash anyway. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. But What's Muschamp's? Uh, 13.2, I think. 13.2. Is it a buyout? It's his buyout. 13.2. Bro, I can't, man. I need to get into coaching and right? get fired. We're in the wrong damn business. Dude, I need to get fired. Charlie Weiss is the smartest man on the planet. Charlie Weiss got was Notre Dame to pay him to go away. <laughs> Kansas paid him to go away. Who else paid him to go away? Somebody else got paid to go away. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. But yeah, dude, Char Charlie Weiss got paid to go away so many times. That man is brilliant. He just lived the American dream multiple times. Charlie Weiss, that dude has life by the balls. He's got it figured out, man. I'm telling you, Charlie Weiss knows what he's doing. I joke with uh, one of my coaching buddies all the time, like, bro, when you going to get your head coaching job or something, then bring me in, then we're going to get fired together. Mm. Right on. Absolutely. To yeah. Like, I can go in there and screw something up. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we're going to win the first year and a half, two years, and then we got to get fired. Yes. And then we'll just eat our last three years just like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Man, I love college football. I'm glad we have it. I don't know that it was the – I mean, I'm not going to say it wasn't a good idea to play because by and large they played the majority of these games. But a good – like 15% of them I think is the last number that have been like postponed or canceled. That's a lot of games. I mean, 15% of the, all of the total games played across all of college football, that, that's a good number of games that have been postponed or canceled, and I don't think they're done postponing or canceling games. No, man, it's going to be uh, what it is right now until um, America's ready to start to um, heal. Like, well, we got to take care of each other. Well, and, you saw like, the and, news that's a, and that's a big thing about, yes, I did see the news today. It's big news. Th I, I think that's good news. Yeah. That's good news. It's positive news. Absolutely. So... Um, and for those that don't know what we're talking about, Pfizer announced today that they have a vaccine, I think, that has like 90%, 90% success rate against most or all strains of the virus. Yeah. And at least from what I saw today, I, and I'll, I need to verify this, but I saw a tweet that said Pfizer is saying that there will be a vaccine for every American at no cost. Um, oh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm double checking that. But I, what I saw looked fairly reliable, so I'm going to make sure. But, yeah, I mean, that's big news. And then, of course, there's predictable, like, political debating right now as to uh, whether or not the president gets to take credit for it, you know, because he tweeted out that, that it's close, you know, great success, Operation Warp Speed, which is what the, they called the kind of collective effort from the federal government and all yep. these. Yeah, so, but now they're saying, well, Pfizer didn't actually take money for it. Um, they didn't take any of the Warp Speed funding. The Pfizer did CEO didn't want them to. Um, but I think there was also, I, I read something that there was still possibly a $2 billion purchase agreement. You know, no, 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 so I think, I think so for... So I watched 60 Minutes last night. All right, talk to me. So Warp Speed is really um, – what they're based upon is being able to distri distribute. That's what they're going to really be good at. I think that is where sure. Pfizer and Warp Speed could actually kind of merge together. Um, Pfizer did their own thing. 
and Pfizer has, is close to doing what they did, and they didn't. It, is, it had nothing to do with the government. But I think they will be able to. Warp speed is going to be good at the distribution part because well, they no, will okay, be able so to know where everything's going and how it's uh, being shipped out, who, which doses are getting to where. Because they were talking about, I guess it was your. It's two different times you got to take it within 30 days. So on the 30th day exactly, you have to take it again. Okay, I'm, I'm just I'm looking at that's some what of the they headlines. talked about on 60 Minutes. Okay, all right. So I'm looking at some of the headlines. This is just one. Uh, this is a tweet. It was pretty interesting. I watched it. It was pretty interesting. Okay, so apparently Katherine Jansen, head of vaccine research and development at Pfizer, distanced Pfizer from Trump's Operation Warp Speed, noting that the company did not take any federal money for development, saying, quote, science is driving how we conduct ourselves, no politics, end quote. So, again, they also had the, the guy from uh, Philadelphia that's the Republican of over the whole um, – counting and uh i forgot what he was dude the election commissioner yeah, yeah yeah he was there and he was on 60 minutes um and it was he was just like how he was saying that man they're just doing their job of counting he, well, th he said he doesn't know it's nothing different or it like in but outside you got all these people picketing and going all crazy that we feel like uh like they're almost um yeah it sucks it, it, yeah it that, that's what sucked about all that last week is that you know, one of the reporters I was watching on whatever network I was on, I went through like four of them last week just trying to get a picture of what everybody was saying about it. Mm -hmm. And and I saw one reporter who I thought really said it well. He's an older guy. You could tell he'd been around a while. And he said, you know, I think it was in response to actually the president's address last Thursday, but in general what you're talking about, where he said, look, say what you want to about reporters. We're used to it. Beat us up. You know, say nasty things about us. He said, but, you know, it, he goes, I, it's hurtful to cast these sort of doubts and, and say things that are being said about the, the poll workers and the volunteers and people that are just there to do their jobs and try to make sure that it's, it is a free and fair election. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not to say there's no bad actors or anybody there that's not a little bit shady. I, I don't know. We can have that conversation. But all I'm saying is it, it's not fair to them. You know, where you have a lot of people giving their time. And a lot of them are being paid, but a lot of people giving their time yeah. to work as election workers. And it's like, yeah, that is kind of a you know, crappy thing to say about people who are just right. trying to help facilitate <laughs> the electoral process that we all depend upon to make sure that things work the way they're supposed to and, work. And he talked about, well, you know, because of COVID that so many more people did mail-in ballots, like millions and millions. And they want to make sure that every single vote counts. Like That's important to them. And they said that they don't want to break our democratic process right our democracy right yes. they do not want to break that and they said they're just going through that and it's just it's just really weird to see all this other stuff on the outside going on when they're on the inside of just doing their job you yeah know? no it's 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 i was i was fascinated by it and i think we all were the whole world was watching it i mean and they said you can you know you can tune in and watch it online whenever you want oh sure like, no, there was actually i didn't even know that there, <laughs> if you really went into it there was a lot of transparency in that process <laughs> you know and the thing is too it's our, our election system. i didn't even know that but like our election system is such that but i guess i never questioned it it's conducted at the county level right our, right. our election system is very decentralized for a reason yes you know so just if we if you want to get into the discussion of voter fraud you have to start there because our election process it's so decentralized <laughs> yeah you know that the the level of you know uh collaboration yeah, that yeah, it would yeah. take <laughs> to pull i mean it's 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 stunning uh, like the numbers on voter fraud the brennan center for justice at, at nyu law there's a great like they put this together for the election there is a comprehensive list of links to academic papers media reports actual cases tried in wisconsin and north carolina and texas and voter fraud that's been studied for 30 years 
and how nobody actually you know denies that voter fraud exists. Of yeah. course, it's happened and yeah. it has been known to happen, but it is on a as it puts it vanishingly um, at, at a vanishingly low rate. I mean, that, it wouldn't be enough most times to tip a county election, much much less a national election. Yeah. And so, but that's it, it's out there is my point. And it, this is a frustrating conversation, man. It's a really <laughs> frustrating conversation. And I don't know how much it, it – the whole world watched that for four days last week. And I don't know if it was stretched out for ratings purposes or what. All I know is it was agonizing. And anybody who said they were going to try to turn it off and watch something else to distract themselves, the vast majority of those people were lying. They didn't turn it off until Saturday, you know, when it was – most people didn't turn it off until so Saturday. I, I turned it off because – so I didn't watch it all of Friday um, at all. Maybe Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, my last time. Because I knew some of these places still had to count. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. Like, North Carolina still, you know, had to count. And But even if you were, like, really – even if you were only modestly into it, you would hear things like I did, like Thursday. Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania's – I think it was the election commissioner, possibly the, the AG it was, secretary. I knew it was starting I lost, to – I lost track of these people. But that day she was like, we're going to get this done tonight. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, so we're, we may have an answer on Pennsylvania, which could tip the election in one mm -hmm. direction. Okay, so I'm, I'm in tonight. She's saying we're going to get Pennsylvania's count yeah, tonight. Yeah, yeah. And then we didn't get Pennsylvania's count that night, and you had to wake up and wait for it Friday morning. So, like, there was some of that where it was like, okay, if, if I know this is not going to be decided, I can turn it off and go to bed. Yeah. But you would get stuff like that that you're like, all right, let me stay up a little bit longer even, so I can get this count. It was just so weird, though, because what happened Tuesday night, like how the whole thing was set, you know? Yeah, well, I, we're just also like we're also conditioned to knowing who the president's going to be, right? On on election night, and it hasn't always been that way. There's been no. people have learned more about Bush versus Gore than they've ever known. Like these Gen Z kids are getting a <laughs> master's level course right now on Bush versus Gore, and that doesn't matter if they want it or not, they're getting it, which isn't the worst thing in the world, right? But like we were told to. But they, they they talked about that on sixty minutes too. They they had the 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 lawyer. That did that case, that trial. Right. And he was saying how th it's not even the same thing. It's not. Th what we have now is not even close. It's not even the same. No, I, th that, I think blank. that election was decided by, what, 537 votes or something ridiculous? Whatever yeah, the number some, was. Yeah, totally it, it, wasn't, we aren't, it wasn't the margins that we're talking about now mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania and Arizona and, and even Georgia, which is crazy. But this is, we're at a point now where I, I don't know if people are going it, to – it's still the number one story in the news. Um, you mm -hmm. I, I was watching the Senate – you know, meeting today and some of what was said. It's getting unhealthy, Roman. I got to stop watching it. I'm watching football and I'm watching politics, and that's it right now. <laughs> I have to get some culture back in my life in the next couple of days. But it's, Man, it's so I, I have not been all into – I'm trying not to dive into politics right now because I just try and stay away from no, it. No, I don't, I don't want to talk politics either, just to be clear about that. But, but let me tell you what I am appreciative of Donald Trump, though, is that he made a lot of mother suckers pull their mask off, all right? <laughs> and, they, and we all see how people feel. And I know some people – they vote because of X, Y, Z. I don't care about who you vote for. I really don't. I've never cared about who anybody votes for. I don't. I really don't. I, have, I don't care. That's your, that's your American right. Enjoy it, all right? That's also why you're allowed to hate people too sometimes. But I just want to know, and I'm glad that some people are letting us know how they really truly feel. I don't think this election had 5% to do with Joe Biden. I think 95% of this election had all to do with Donald Trump because a lot of people just did not like this guy. A lot of people did not like the, the tone in which he spoke. And the, some people can't look, and some people are able to look over that or choose to look over that because of their beliefs or policy. And they're like, oh, well, I don't, it doesn't bother me as much. Well, I wish he wouldn't tweet as much, but I'm like, but he's not going to change that. So, um, so let me to say me, that, that, can that's I, can what I say a this? lot of it came, kind of came down to. I'm sorry, I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I just, I look at it and I'm like on a, on a 50,000 foot level. 
All I know is we have a, a guy who seemingly has 75 million. But he also had 68 million uh, votes. So a lot of people believe in what he's saying. Too. Well, no, I know. But what I'm saying is, I mean, Joe Biden has 75.7 million votes and Donald Trump has 71.2 million votes as of the last time I saw like an hour yeah, ago. I don't even know. It's a difference of four and a half million votes. Joe Biden is going to, if this election holds up, he is going to, and there's no reason to think that it won't, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, and if he wins this election right now, he will have won it by, I believe, nearly twice as many popular votes, uh, total overall votes, that Hillary Clinton did in 2016 mm-hmm. when she lost the election. So we have 75 million people who voted for the guy who's about to win and really has won, and we have 71 million people who voted for the guy who's in there now who is the most polarizing president of our lifetime. That much we can all agree upon. Mm-hmm. Even if you like him, we should be able to agree on the very simple fact that I this man is the most that. polarizing president in the history of modern America, really the entire office. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Barack Obama elicited some strong emotions from people, but Barack Obama uh, was not polarizing and even divisive in a way that this president is. Um, so that's not even a comparison in my mind. But I just don't know how you fix it at the moment. And I do think that it was inc- I liked what Joe Biden said on Saturday night about, you know, uniting and, you know, making the unity and the coming together and the mm-hmm. healing, the, the, the focus of the message. I really do like that. Um, but I don't know that a large swath of this country has any interest in that right now, in part because so many of them are still focused on the fact that they believe there's still tangible evidence out there that will support the overturning of an election because of massive wide-scale voter, I mean, widespread large-scale voting fraud. They believe that right now. So they're in no mood or temperament to want to talk about healing or uniting because a lot of them still think that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. But when the day comes, and I'm, I mean, there's no reason to think that it will not come in two months, that Joe Biden you know, takes the office. What then? Like, can you fix that? Because I've seen Facebook. I see Twitter. I know that, I mean, I've witnessed people that are family that don't talk to each other anymore. You know, they can't get along. They can't sit through Thanksgiving without screaming about politics. I had to tell a, a, a relative of mine the other day, hey, you know, we, I don't want to talk politics with you. You know how I feel. I know how you feel. There's no point to, yeah. Why in continuing you? to do this because it, it's not civil. Yes. And it's not civil. And, and, and you're not going to probably change some people. You're not. You're not going to change anybody. So can, can you fix that? Because I, I remember four years ago after, after President Trump won the election, and I saw some of my friends who were you know, very vocal supporters of his saying things like, you know, now's the time for the country to come together. We, got, we have to get behind this president and heal. And, and I couldn't help but think, and as some of my friends also pointed out, that you know, those were the, it was ironic that those were the same people calling for unity that were saying some really nasty, inherently racist, and just bigoted things about Barack Obama when he was in office. You know, some would go to outright birtherism. Others would support some of the extreme Tea Party stuff. Yeah. Where, I mean, it was bad. And it's just, okay, but you were the same people that were literally, you know, saying and saying those things about the president prior to, but now there's a call for unity. So we're right back to that here in 2020, where Trump just lost. His supporters are very upset. And you've got a president uh, duly elected who's calling for peace and unity and wanting to come together. They don't want to hear it. You know, Hillary supporters didn't really want to hear it in 2016. So what makes you hear it? Because I, the, I increasingly wonder if the only thing that's ever going to make us hear it again is something like what happened on 9-11, where we had, to, you know, everybody had to stop what they were doing. Nothing else mattered because we were under attack. Yeah. And, and that was the only thing that shook people out of this, uh, this coma of fury yeah, man. That where it was like, OK, all this bullshit has to stop. We have to be Americans again right now because no right now we all we got. Yeah. You know, and is it going to take something like that again? Because I worry that it is. I don't know how you're going to fix this right now. Hey Amen. Um, I am heartened. Let me say this. That sounded very gloomy. I am, heartened, I I am heartened by the fact that I do know a lot of people in my own circle 
uh-huh. you know, who are willing to say things publicly like, you know, can we please stop with the vitriol, with the nastiness and with. Yeah. The, but the but the thing is, it's we have a lot of the same issues that we had five, 10, 15 years ago, where it's the extreme polarized opposite ends of the spectrum that are lobbing all the bombs over top of everybody else in the middle. And it seems like it's always representative of everybody on one side of the fence, but it's it's never that way. No, man, the majority is still right there in the middle, man, that tries to come from a place of love and communication and actually just sometimes have, I think it's okay, we should be able to celebrate our differences and all these other things. Yeah. But I think we do have to stop with the name calling and stop acting like we're a red state, blue state. I think we're all... I America. saw something really interesting about this. And, Let me show you um, this. Keep talking. Let me show you this. For me, that's important, and I want to continue to have these conversations. I don't, I don't want to be able to judge somebody because they vote Republican or Democrat. Do they need a third party? I don't even know if we're even close to even ready for that. But anyways, that has nothing to do with anything. I still like to judge people by the character um, of who that person is individually. And some people, you know, I just think they – I, I don't care to know or judge people about that stuff. I don't even know why it's a big deal. When I was, my mom used to tell me that nobody should talk about who they voted for. So I don't even understand why everybody's got to be so all out there and forward with whatever decision that they want to make. I mean, it, it's just really, um, it seems kind of over the top at times. You so, know? so check this out. All right. So I just found it. I think I just, let me just actually, okay. See that right there, that map. It's not the one that I like the most, but you see how there's there's a lot of it's not just red and blue and a sharp contrast. There's uh-huh. shades of purple and it's such a simple thing. But the, like you, I don't we don't ever talk about this. I have a master's degree in geography. This is what I did for two years in grad school. Oh my god, I hated geography. So like I, I made a lot of maps. I used to work in like a GIS department. I would help with the engineers and you know making maps and making sure we knew where things like uh, broadband cables were and underground electrical wire and I mean any, some cool shit huh? anything right so I did this for I needed a backup plan in case broadcasting went and to man, shit. you always you so, never surprised me well I appreciate that so I, I've made a lot of maps my wife did too as, as an economist before she uh, she got back into designing so anyway this is a way that, like a simple thing that I think might help alleviate some of the I mean, just like some of the anger and some of the the, uh, the I mean just bad discourse but instead of making red versus blue maps and let me try to pull up a better one here it's basically a density map that shows varying rates or varying levels of purple and blue and red, depending upon where you live. For instance, North Carolina has become a very purple state. It was basically 50-50 in that election. Mm-hmm. You know, it would, it would show as a purple state. You know, places like uh, Georgia, for instance. Is that, and that's because of what? Raleigh? Um, they said it's, it's a couple places. Oh, around. yeah. The triad, the research triangle in Charlotte, uh, for the mm-hmm. most part. You know, stuff like that. So check this out. All right, this is, this is a much better example. Um, this is my first time voting in like a, a true uh, swing state. It was kind of cool. It, it, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It's not like <laughs> voting Republican in California where you know it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So like that or, right there. Or that is that. a much less divisive way of presenting a map. You know, the, the, the states that are, are right. more red are where you have deeper Republican support to where they're more blue. You have deeper Democratic support and everything else is just shades of in between. Yes, it is. It's a much more divisive. But that's the thing. Like it's a subtle psychology that could help a lot of these discussions if it, we weren't showing just red and blue states. I think this is way better, Kyle. I don't look, know why like people Look at the state that I grew up in, right? Okay, so that looks like a purple state. What you don't see is, and it, again, it's kind of misleading when you look at the county map, is that if you looked at a map, just a county map of Virginia, it would just be a big blob of red with a couple of you know big, big blue spots here or there, but overwhelmingly red. But 40% of the state lives in the top four counties bordering Washington, D.C., Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, because nearly, I mean, it's 40% of the population <laughs> lives in four counties in the top of the state that border Washington, D.C., because those are the D.C. suburbs now. Right, right. So, you know, people way down here, like in coal country and in the mountains where I'm from, and 
they don't have anything in common <laughs> with those four counties, like culturally for the most part, you know, but the, the state shows up completely blue. And, you know, those people, a lot of them now, especially if they're on the losing side, they feel like their vote doesn't matter for anything. You know what I mean? No, I, I, I do know what you mean, but I didn't even I've never seen that. That's a really cool map. Yeah. And uh, that is something funny. I did not know that about Virginia. Yeah. No, it's, so it's I like, just always thought it was a blue state. I didn't No, Well, that's what that's what they were talking about. I was watching Fox News on election night and Chris Wallace because they called Virginia 60 seconds after the polls closed. That was the first state they called. And Chris Wallace was looking up and he goes from 1964 to 2004. This state was red, reliably red every single year. Right. Because Virginia was the capital of Confederacy and yeah, it was a deeply right? Republican state. Yes. You know, and just and but then. Uh, you know, when, when D.C. exploded and Northern Virginia got as big as it did, and then, you know, Richmond is a right. small-sized city, and then out east on the coast where you went, I think, for that music festival a yeah, couple yeah, of years yeah. ago. Virginia Beach. you got huge military installations, federal government jobs, and so you have a ton of people that live on the coast now that are from all over the country, um, oh, yeah, some yeah, places yeah. all over the world. So yep. you have those three areas of Virginia, Northern Virginia, Richmond, and, uh, you know, Hampton Roads, uh, the seven cities where, yeah, it's a very different demographic. But outside of that, it's mostly farms. I didn't even know that. I didn't. So it's just the top four, just like right up here, these top I think, four counties. I think that's right. Well, I mean, it's, so it's those counties. It might, I think, maybe not the fourth. The fourth one might not border it. I forget. Yeah, man, my home state, Alabama, completely. Um, for the most part, I, I, it's going to be red, just I, I would say. I yeah. don't know it's demographic. Although you did, you did elect a Democrat in Doug Jones last time around, but Tommy Tuberville beat him this time it around. It was a special election. That I mean, it literally took the worst candidate. <laughs> Come on, man. Here's my look again. We're not going into politics tonight. No, I guess no, but I, dude, take my only concern out. about Tommy Tuberville is that I've noticed that everything is a football analogy. At some point, he's going to have to learn more than just football. That's oh, my, no, I wasn't talking about Doug Jones uh, for Doug Jones to win, but I, I thought I Doug Jones actually does some really good things for Alabama. I have some senators on both sides, and they yeah. they said that he's actually pretty good. But they knew it wasn't going to last because that's just how the state <laughs> is. They, they knew that, and they were like, "Dude, he's actually pretty good." But we know, you know, what I mean. It's, what can we do? I don't know. I don't know, man. You know, when you're a Republican senator or you sit on this some kind of board or something for the state of Alabama, man, you're just trying to fall in line, bro. Hopefully I can get a call, you know? Yeah, That's, I guess so. Yeah. That's <laughs> so. I don't know much about Alabama. I remember one time you and Paul Feinbaum did the podcast. or Yeah, yeah man. it was a podcast, right? Yeah, that episode where, you know, he just started schooling me on Alabama politics. I mean, I, it's <laughs> something you would know more. The, the two of you know a lot more about than I do. I just heard of the names. I'm not a big Alabama politics person. Yeah? No, man, not at all, dude. No, nah, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me either. No, man, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. No. No. All right, so how about the Saints last night? I'm glad you pivoted back to football because I want to finish on football. How about the Saints last night? Um, beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what was it? A zillion to three. Yeah. <laughs> it was 31 to nothing at halftime. Oh, yeah. Ass kicking. Oh, I was, so, I was drinking, just excited watching this. I mean, just I felt like, so good. say it out loud, that a team that has Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, who am I missing here? Uh, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, uh, that's to say nothing of the defense. How does that team – get beaten 38-3 to at home on Sunday night football. How does that happen? Well, they didn't run the ball, first of all. I think they had like four or five carries, like the whole game. That's not good. They had two first downs in the first half. I looked at this on a lot this morning. Two first downs and in the first half. The Saints match up well against uh, Tampa Bay. Wow. If you look at them. Well, Marshawn Lattimore had a good night. He always has a good night against Mike Evans. Always. Just look at the numbers. He always balls against Mike Evans. And uh, the Gronkowski is, is a great matchup for Malcolm Jenkins, playing man on him. And then the other guys, you just figure it out, and you kind of base them out. And when you take away their two best weapons, 
The Saints don't allow you to run the ball. They don't ever let anybody get 100 yards rushing on a, a single person. So that's what they do. And Drew and that offense was on fire last night. Looked like old school Drew. Everything worked. Sean had it dialed up. Sean was in the zone. That's why he was dancing in the locker room after, after the game. He was feeling himself. <laughs> I, told, I told my boy, I texted one of them today, man. I was like, dude. I said, I wish we had this Sean Payton. If we'd had this Sean Payton in fucking 2009, sorry, excuse me, <laughs> did I get excited. In 2009, in 2000, like we had that team, those squad, that 2011 team, we had this Sean, dude, we probably would have went, like, we would have been so good. We probably went undefeated. I'm Damn. telling you. Damn. Sean, Sean is so much more uh, likable, and he's done a really good job of continuing to grow with his team. I like Sean because of that. I, I applaud him to always kind of continue to feel out the vibe of your team. Don't ever forget the pulse of your team because you need these players to go to war for you and go to bat for you. And he does a great job of under, letting the players know exactly how they're going to win the game. They came out there and kicked Tampa Bay's butt. I thought that was the biggest win for the New Orleans Saints in the last four years. Mm. The, like the, the, statement game, like exclamation point, like daddy here now. You know what I'm saying? Tom Brady looked bad last night. Tom Brady looked really bad. First of all, I think they went – I told you they had two first downs. Those came on the same drive. Other than that, they went three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, two and out, pick. I think I got that right. But, I mean, it well, was Cam all – Cam Jordan got to him the very first play right out the gate. It, it, it should have been – it could have been a face mask call, but they didn't call it. Well, all I know is they were terrible offensively. They were so bad. Yes, and, they and were. And I don't I – don't, we're going to see them coming here to Charlotte next Sunday. They ain't going to look that bad. Matter of fact, they'll probably get right. But, <laughs> you know, they, I don't know if they're going to come in and just, you know – Hey, man, Carolina – Carolina, Carolina played tough in Kansas City yesterday. They always play tough. I like them. They are I, fun. I, I like I like some parts about them. I don't like some parts about them, and it's like mm, okay, you know. you're still out on Phil Snow, kind of right. I look, man. Well, no, I shouldn't say it that way. So you're, I didn't watch. I didn't watch the game. I didn't watch the game. I play by play yesterday, so I can't speak on it because um, uh, I listened to it on the radio because I was trying. I was washing cars and cleaning outside, so I watched listened to it on the radio, and I listened to my boy Kurt Coleman. So. Um, that, that's just uh, what it was. I, I listened to it, so I can't really speak on what I – I just would hear the, the, well, the broadcast part. I watched it yesterday, then I went back and watched it again this morning, the condensed version. And uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, was just, I was just thinking about that when you were talking uh, about the previous game, just because some of what, what I was saying on my show today kind of came back to me. But what, like the, what did you see? Well, I mean, I just think this is a team – first of all, I, I relayed what you said, that this is a team that's learning how to win. Um, learning yes. what it takes to win because that in order to learn how to win you got you to lose close no doubt and, you got to lose you got to lose close and give yourself opportunities to win and at some point you're going to come through and it's I thought yesterday it, it sounded like that play Teddy made like the fourth and 15 or whatever that was and he scrambled oh out my god I, I didn't I haven't even seen the play you haven't seen the play yet I haven't seen the play okay we got to get on the through. radio and they were like they, they couldn't believe it they were like silent when he was like running and they were like, oh, my God, he leaped or jumped, and he made it. Well, whoever was calling the game yesterday called him Superman, and I was like, no, it's too close. It's too soon. You can't call him Superman for stuff like that. No, no, no. Like, too, they too had soon. Superman here. Yeah, I mean, Superman is in, is in New England. He I mean, like just say it's Robin, dog. Robin's ba a baller, or the dark, uh, the dark wing. Check that out. That right there is a man who is determined to get a first down. Oh, yeah, he went forward. And he went, oh, yeah, no, he went. he just sold out, buddy. He just sold out. It was impressive. It was impressive. So, I was just thinking about that, though, because uh -huh. he's – people want to know, is he a franchise quarterback? You know, some people think he's, he's absolutely not. I don't Why? know – well, I mean, because they don't think he's done enough to elevate that team in the fourth quarter, that he hasn't made the play to, you know, to get him a signature win yet. 
Um, I mean, I, I thought that might have been his signature play yesterday. Um, what else do you want? I mean, that you're in Kansas. I don't know, because at the same time, like, I don't ever want to feel like I'm making excuses for that team just because I talk about them every day. But at the mm-hmm. same time, they just went to play the defending Super Bowl champions, the best team in the NFL when they're on, and took them to the wire in their own place and, and scored 31 points, didn't turn the football over. Teddy threw for, I think, 310, uh, two touchdowns, and ran for another one. And uh, they got out to a 14-3 to lead. They got a couple of guys back on the defense, but those guys were obviously on a pitch count, so they were still playing a ton of rookies and undrafted dudes and still had a chance to win. Like Matt Rule is wringing the towel and getting every drop he can get out of this team, and they're doing it for him, and they're having fun. Like, this, like you just said, this team's fun. So no, I, They I, are. I'm enjoying it. Like it's, I don't think it's making excuses for them. They just, they're not experienced enough or quite talented enough yet to win some of these games. And you, you got to figure all that out. The one thing I really do appreciate about it is that um, they've done a really good job of continuing to elevate Curtis Samuel's role. So at least that's not the question mark anymore. So they're answering some questions that we had early in the year that we don't have right now. Curtis Samuel, excuse me, let me get that out of my Snack mind. time. Mm-hmm. Welch's grapefruit. This man has the best, the best stash of snacks. We've Thank been you. through that. Yes, we have. He keeps, he keeps oversized mason jars of peanut M&Ms and Welch's grapefruits or fruit snacks. And what else do you have over there? Uh, some Reese's. Oh, my God. Anyway, continue with your right, breakdown. So, yes, but you, you're starting to answer the questions of uh, Curtis Samuel that he is uh, going to be a part of your team and your offense. So he's been doing well. And you just got to continue to find other ways. I think, Teddy, it's not about the offense. This team, uh, the question mark is not on offense. No, their offense is fine. Yeah, yeah. So anything, they need to go other ways. I think they need to continue to build around Teddy and the rest of your young pieces. Well, let me say this. Their offense is not completely fine. They need to tweak it. They need to upgrade, they need to upgrade or two on the offensive line. And they need a tight end. But, yeah. but outside of that, they've got talent, like a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think they're, they're but in defensively, good you're young and you need to elevate. You need to upgrade in some areas too. No doubt. All right, before we, we wrap this up, tonight, Monday Night Football, not, I mean, this is not your granddaddy's Patriots and Jets matchup, okay? This isn't Tom Brady and Mark Sanchez and, you know, none of that. This is uh, Cam Newton and a bunch of dudes that – Some Jags. Or a bunch of dudes. And uh, the Joe Fl- – yeah, Joe Flacco led New York Jets tonight, right? That's what we're looking is at. Is Flacco in? I believe so. Who knows with this team? Hey, man, I don't know. Um, I believe so. Now you've got me second-guessing myself. It should be. I, I'm going for Cam. I want Cam to have a good game. Yeah? Yeah. I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I want him to have a good game. Yeah, no, he's, he's expected to start tonight. That's what I thought. Maybe second-guess myself. My bad. It's all good. No, it's all good. I, I, I think I'm going for Cam and those guys. I'm going to ask my boy Rob how he feels about the game. Yeah? Yeah. He's probably nervous. Ninkovich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think, he does get nervous, doesn't he? He does. He's still a Patriot, like, deep down in heart, man. Yeah, for those that don't know, Rob Ninkovich, the former – yeah, that, that guy, the former Patriots linebacker. Good one, too. Yeah, yeah, that's my boy. Really good one. Yeah. He's, he's a pretty good analyst, too. Yeah, man, he's doing well. Um, it's it's funny. Uh, he's just always talking about. I mean, I mean, he's in the NFL. I'm in the college space, so it's, it's just really cool to hear his perspective on some things as well. And when you when you're talking about pros, it's different too, in a different light and a different angle. So it is what it is. Can I t- can I talk to you about learning the banjo before I leave? Yes. All right. So I heard I, about this. You, what do you mean you heard about this on the radio? You, they had a commercial. Okay. About first it. of all, you didn't just hear about this. For the folks that are listening, when I f- posted the first picture on my Instagram story of my my banjo. I said that like a hillbilly. That was an accident. Um, when I posted the first one, Roman immediately messaged me and said, you must be bored. That was what you messaged me. You must be bored. And then when I came over here, your wife laughed at me because she knew you texted me, I must be bored. 
I'm not bored. I've been wanting to learn the banjo for years, man. Hey, man, be one with the music, man. I understand. My wife's trying to get into all that stuff, too. But you know so. what the, the difference? Yeah, your wife I, wants to play an instrument. See, we're going to start a band, and I, you're going to get I just had out. to check on you. You said you're not bored. I mean, no, you I'm told not me bored. Why. This, I was like, okay, cool. This is something that I've wanted to do forever, okay? And, you know, well, I got a baby coming, so I got I to gotta have a lot. Of, I can't go anywhere, so I got to find some way between not sleeping and changing diapers to fill my time, you know? So I, I want to learn it before I get too old. But it's interesting because it's not like, and I knew this, but I don't know if you do or not. It's not like playing the guitar where you strum the, the chord. I mean, where you strum, you don't strum a guitar. You can strum a banjo. I'll spit this out. But, you know, I want to learn to pick. Mm-hmm. And so you have to wear a plastic thumb pick, but then two metal finger picks on your pointer finger and your middle finger. And, like, you just have to practice to learn the muscle memory of, you know, pick. How to do all that. It's just three finger picking like uh, old Earl Scruggs used to do from Shelby County, North Carolina. Um, yeah. I have Shelby, no idea. Shel- I don't know why I just said county. From Shelby, North Carolina. Yeah. Dude, I, yeah. I can't wait to see you do this, Kyle. It's fun, man. This, and you're also going to shave your beard. Why am I going to? See, you, you are in support of this. Camille did not love the idea of me shaving the beard. She She's like, nervous. Well, no. She, when I told her about this, she said, so since when does Roman make the decisions in our household? That's what, that's what she said to me when I told her that you suggested I shave the beard. That was her response. So since when does Roman make the decisions in this household? Sounds like you're not shaving, Kyle. I don't, hey, don't put me in that. Don't listen, you blame me on that. Listen, no. I'll tell you what. I'll make a secret deal with you because by now I guarantee you she hasn't gotten this far into our podcast. Okay? So what, this is the deal I'm going to make with you. So, so long as I get back down to 225, which is where I should be, on the day that I hit 225, if I do it, I'll shave the beard. Deal. Deal? Locked I'm, in. I'm going to encourage you now all, all right. the time. All right. That's what I'm saying. So, you get, I want to get to, I need to get to 225 and stay to 225. All right. For how long? The rest of my life, hopefully. Well, yeah. But, I, I mean, before you shave, like, are you going to do it the day you get 225, you're going to shave it? Well, yeah, because then I don't want to get fat and not be able to cover up my chins with a beard. Got it. See what I'm saying? I'm with it. Because, I mean, that, yeah. So, no, that's that's the plan. When I get down to 225, I will shave. She doesn't know this. I'll shave the beard. But, but when I get back down to 225, you know, she won't care about that. So, Did yeah, you right. right? Boom. Done. Boom. Considered done. Boom, all right, brother. Boom, boom, boom. This was fun. We'll, uh, again, my bad on the, uh, the, the layoff. Won't happen again. I'll talk to you next time. All right, man. Be good, boss. All right. For Roman Harper, I'm Kyle Bailey. Be good to each other.